Welcome to the Fatherhood Podcast. I'm your host, Jamar Hudson, and you're in the fatherhood. As a new member of the hood, my goal is to use this podcast as a platform to talk about my journey as a new father. Part therapeutic, part informative, part educational. My goal is to talk about everything, from adjusting to getting no sleep, to changing diapers, to just hoping I get everything right. This podcast will be a space to share with you the joys, challenges, and fears of being a first-time father. What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 11 of the Fatherhood Podcast. I'm your host, Jamar Hudson, and as always, welcome. While you're here, be sure to leave a rating and review of the show, as it definitely helps with the visibility of what I'm trying to do over here. You know, this podcast has been a blessing in that in a short period of time, I've been able to connect with a lot of fathers from from different walks of life, some whose situations are very similar to mine and others who have a total opposite experience. But the key is that we can all, you know, learn from each other. So a couple of weeks ago, a friend of mine sent me a Facebook message introducing me to a fellow father who is using his platform to celebrate and support the, the journey we are all on as fathers. Dedon Bruner is the brains behind On Fathering, which is a movement that, you know, if you're a father, you definitely need to connect with. He's going to talk more about it in a minute. But what I like about the platform is that it highlights the journey that different fathers are on. And all of us can relate to that because fatherhood is indeed a journey. So, Didon, welcome to the fatherhood, man. I'm glad to have you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Appreciate it, man. And hey, let's just start there, man. You, you started this outstanding platform that I was introduced to through a mutual friend um, called On Fathering. So, just tell us a little bit about the blog and the inspiration behind starting it. Sure. I'm happy to. So, when I found out I was going to be a father, I worked in an office where there were three dads already, mm-hmm. and they were from very different backgrounds. One was an active duty serviceman who had three kids, but was constantly being deployed to all the places that you don't want to go, particularly if you have kids. And there was another father who was a white guy, 50 years old, and he had just, he and his wife had just adopted two kids that didn't even speak English. And the third was our boss, and he was a father of three high school students. The oldest was, had autism. And he was also taking care of his wife who had been having some health challenges. And so even though these fathers were from three very different walks of life and had three different fathering experiences, they were able to connect and they were always sharing their stories. So when I found out that I was going to be a father, I mean, I was afraid, Hmm. I'll be honest. But being able to just be in the midst of them talking about fathering and sharing their tips and tools... um, it gave me a lot of courage. So fast forward this past summer, one of the things that I do is I'm a mediator and I was working on a case where uh, a father was going to take custody of his child, but he was afraid because it would be brand new to him. And my heart went out to him. I was a neutral as the mediator, but I wanted to do something. So um, after that case was over, I started just kind of thinking, what could I do? What could I contribute? And I wanted to create a platform that gave guys who may not have the same environment that I had, they had an online environment where they could share stories or they could read stories and just know that they're not alone. So that's how I'm fathering came. Awesome, man. It is a great platform and I encourage all of my listeners to check it out. We'll talk more about it where you can find it in a bit, but it's just a way to celebrate fatherhood and showcase some great fathers, like I said, from different walks of life. So 
I guess my question for you, Dinan, is how has launched it helped you personally? You know, it's forced me to really reconsider my why. You know, sometimes we get into a zone of doing things and it makes sense or it works, but it's really made me take a step back and ask me, why do I do the things that I do? And to give you an example, I was walking with my daughter and I was walking on the outside. It's something that I do. And she said, you know, daddy, will I always have to walk on the, out, on the inside? And it kind of, it stopped me dead because, you know, from my perspective, this is what I do as a man or as a father to, you know, to protect the person who I love. But I had to ask myself, what message am I sending her? And so it's a million little experiences like that where, you know, you may not change your actions, but it's good to examine them every once in a while. And on fathering has really forced me to do that. Absolutely. You, you mentioned your, your daughter. Let's just pick it up right there. You, you mentioned how when you first found out you were going to be a dad, it was just definitely shocking uh, to you. So take us through that process and tell us a little bit about your daughter. Oh, wow. Okay. So uh, I was 30 four when when um, I found out I was going to be a father. Um, my girlfriend and I, uh, we weren't planning to have a child, but we did all the things necessary. So <laughs> um, when, when she was born, um, you know, we were both overwhelmed. It was, it was a huge responsibility, but um, it's been a great ride. She is an incredible um, you know, everybody thinks their kid's a genius, so, yeah. um, but I can just say that she's an incredible explorer. You know, she's, she's so curious and the challenge is just to stay in front of her. And that's, that's a challenge I, 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 um, I'm up to, but it, but it, it does push me, but, um, she's great. And her name is Ella. Great. Great. A, a question that I always ask, uh, to all of my guests, Didan is what does being a father mean to you? You know, I knew you were going to ask that, but it's, um, it, it's still a challenge. Um, you know, I really think that fatherhood gives gives me an opportunity to pour what I would like to see in the world. You know, I can pour more compassion and consideration and thoughtfulness and patience. You know, all of the things that that we wish that we saw more of on a day to day basis. I can invest these things in my daughter and. Um, so far, the investment's already been paying off, and um, I'm happy to do so. So, when we were, you know, exchanging some messages in, in preparation for for this uh, for recording this episode, you mentioned to me that growing up was without a father. I mean, that was that was your experience uh, as a, as a young man. Um, tell me how growing up without a father impacted your approach to fatherhood before uh, and after you became a dad. So, some people are fortunate in that they can learn from the model. Um, my perspective yeah. is I, I learned from the mold, you know, I was blessed to have a mother and grandmother and aunts who loved me and cared for me. So I didn't, I didn't need for anything in that, in that way. But when it came to, to what a father would contribute, you know, there was this space that, that was just empty. So even as a kid, I thought, how would, how would I do things differently? What would I do if I had a son? And so I, I mean, even as as a very young man, I mean, I, I thought a lot about being a parent there. And, you know, I knew I would want to walk my kid to school. I knew that there were certain things that I just wanted to do. And, and a lot of it is romanticized, but a lot of it has, has come mm -hmm. to fruition. And um, I'm glad to be a father. Um, so since my daughter was born, one of the things I had an opportunity to do 
um, right before she was born, actually, was to go to Detroit. My father lives in Detroit. And what I wanted to do was to make sure that I, I wasn't holding on to any negative energy. You know, I really, really wanted my life and my child to be about love and positivity to, to the extent that it could be. And so I went to meet with him and to talk with him, but he wasn't available. And um, I can't change that, mm. but I knew that I had to look forward. And that's what I've done. And I, I hope that I can do it without any animosity or negativity, but we're human. Right. And I guess one question I, I have based on what you're telling me, is there anything that you've noticed that has come up since you've been a, a father that you that maybe is as a result of you growing up without a dad? Like, hey, I didn't notice, know that I felt this way until I became a father myself. You know, I wasn't sure at what point it would kick in. You know, I didn't know if you lock eyes with your baby and then you just know, or if there's you know, if there was a mm-hmm. moment when, when things click for me, it didn't happen um, immediately. You know, I was changing diapers and going through the motions and you know, I was, <laughs> I was sleep deprived. So maybe that had a lot to do with it. But one day I remember picking her up, she had fallen asleep in the living room and I was just transferring her to her crib and she kind of adjusted and, and put her arm, her hand on my arm. And it was at that point I, you know, it just hit me. I was like, you know, I, I have this responsibility and this person doesn't even open her eyes, but she's always, re- she's already relying on me. And so, you know, from that day forward, um, I've just been invigorated and, and I've enjoyed the ride. So how has fatherhood, you know, changed you personally, uh, Dadon, and your approach to life? You know, frankly, it's made me a lot more fearful. Hmm. I, I wasn't the type of of person who had a lot of things that I was afraid of. You know, I've been shark diving and skydiving, but now my daughter's seven. If she spends an extra, you know, 30 seconds in the bathroom in a restaurant, you know, my heart is beating and I'm starting to knock on doors. You know, it's, it's a whole different perspective, you know, because I feel like I have so much more to lose. Um, And so, you know, and I don't live in fear. I try to be more diligent and more thoughtful and more creative and to be more strategic, but the reality is the world is the world. And so um, fatherhood has let me know that there is there is a lot at stake. That's interesting. That's the first uh, time someone has said it is there, that the fear aspect has been brought up. Um, let's let's go, go a little bit deeper there. Why do you think that is? And give me an example of what you, know, you are fearful of uh, when it comes to being a father. Sure. You know, there's... There's so many experiences that I mean, I'm not sure how you grew up, but I was a boy and I and I was dumb. You know, I jumped off of roofs. I, <laughs> you know, we went hiking and you know, we did all mm-hmm. sorts of things that were just frankly dangerous. And, you know, but by the grace of God, you know how the phrase goes. Um Yeah. But it just seems like there's so many more dangers now. You know, um, there are very few seemingly there are fewer safe spaces for kids. You know, I can't imagine my daughter riding her bike for hours and hours and hours and coming back, mm-hmm. you know, before it gets dark. And so I try not to limit her development, but at the same time, um, fear is real. And so, you know, that's where play dates yeah. come in with people who you trust and structured environments. And, you know, you find yourself driving to a lot more, you drive around a lot more 
because you're taking your kid from here to there. But I mean, the alternative is just, it's almost untenable. Yeah. You know, every generation says, you know, our parents and aunts and uncles said it, um, but there are just certain things that we didn't have to worry about. We're around, we're around the same age. There are certain things that we have to worry about as parents in this generation that, um, wasn't even existing when we were growing up. I mean, internet, social media, um, all those things now that are that are part of kids' lives as they grow up. For us, I mean, that that was something our parents didn't have to worry about. And, you know, that's that's something that, you know, once you become a parent, like you said, that fear that, you know, you're always trying to be aware of what your kid is exposed to, who they're uh, being around and that sort of thing. So I definitely understand you and what you're saying there. Um, yeah. Don, Don Bruner is, is joining me today on the fatherhood. He's the, the mastermind behind the On Fathering uh, blog. And one of the reasons uh, I was excited to have him on is because his, his fatherhood situation is a little different. Um, and I want to talk about making it work today. Um, you don't fall under the quote unquote traditional uh, family structure, you know, husband, wife, kids, dog in the house. <laughs> so yeah. how have you been able to successfully navigate you know, co-parenting as a single dad. Okay. So let me say first that um, our co-parenting arrangement is a living, breathing thing. So I could brag about it today and we can have a fallout fall tomorrow. But, um, but today is good. Yeah. Today is good. Today is good. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, one of the, the most important thing is that it's kid-centered. You know, my daughter's mother and I, we keep our daughter first. So even in those circumstances where we disagree, it's it's on the smaller things. It's 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 more on the execution, not on the goal. And so we trust each other, but that trust has come over time. And so we give each other space. Um, I defer to her. She defers to me mm-hmm. from time to time. And, and to be honest, and I wouldn't have said this five years ago, yeah. but we're open to checking each other. And, and I'll give you an example. Um, this summer she called me and said, you know, we talked about raising our daughter as a Christian and you've been slacking on your church. I need you to step it up. (laughs) And I said, okay, you know, um, because it was a shared goal and admittedly I wasn't, I wasn't approaching it the way that I even wanted to approach it, but I had to be open to be able to say that. And she has to be open when there's similar things on the other end. And she has been you know, to her credit, yeah. but, but that, that takes time to develop. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, what, what steps, you know, did you take them to get to this point? So like I told you, um, our, our daughter wasn't planned. So one of the things mm. that we did while she was pregnant, we went to counseling, you know, yeah. and we told the counselor day one, she's pregnant and we need to develop a model by which we can learn to communicate with each other. Okay. And, it was not an easy road, um, lots of bumps and bruises. But like I said, we agreed early that it was about about our daughter and consistency. Man, consistency plays such such a huge role because, and and you can recall, there's so much to be afraid of. You know, when when the baby isn't even born yet. You know, this test yeah. comes back. The doctors tell you the chances of this and the chances of that. So when you can rely on the other person to be there, to be consistent, it's just one less thing to worry about. And so that consistency, even then, 
was a foundation that we were able to build on. So what does an effective co-parenting plan look like um, to you guys? So for us, flexibility is key. You know, you never know when a work trip is going to be sprung on you or, you know, the school might call and say, I can't reach mom or dad and might call the other parents. So even if it's not your day, you know, we both have to be able to say, all right, I got your back because again, it's kid centered. And so, you know, if you're going to share custody over the over, over the course of 18 years, there are going to be some days when you need somebody to give you some space. Yeah. And there are going to be some days when, when you're going to have to pick up the slack for them. And so we've been, we've been good about that. When our daughter was born, uh, her mother was in, well, shortly after she was born, she went to law school. So there were times when, you know, you have that, that finals period that I would, I would just take her, you know, and you can worry about studying and, you know, when you're ready, then, you know, you'll have her. And there've been times when I had to travel, so it wouldn't have fit, you know, a, a regimented custody agreement, but the give and take has really worked for us because we always know that if the other person needs it, because at some point they will, then you know, they do it, they do it for us. You kind of touched on, on my next question. Um, being a single father who is, you know, co-parenting with, with your daughter's mom, um, what are some of the challenges you face in that regard? Bandwidth, you know, it's, it's a real thing. Um, it, when I have my daughter, I have to be on, you know, yeah. and there's no, Honey, can you, you know, it's it's just me and her. Now on, on the flip side, I have her half the time. So there's half the time where yeah. I can, you know, sit around and watch TV if I want. But um, you have to be ready to be on. And so a lot of times some of my other interests will fall to the wayside. And and that's okay. But you have to pick and choose those things that you really want to make sure that you do. Um, because I also want my daughter to grow up seeing a whole person. You know, yeah. if I devote everything to her, I'm not really teaching her how to be a full person. I'm teaching her how to just give your all to someone else. And while she may benefit from that in the long run, when she becomes a mother, I want her to have her pursuits as well. So, so your your daughter is around eight years old. Is that correct? Yep, she'll oh, be eight. Going to be eight. So, how was the dynamic change? I mean, talking about being on from you know her being a newborn around my son's age in three months to. Uh, where she is now going on eight years old, eight, nine, 10 years old. Sure. So I love talking to her and just to hear the way she processes, um, to hear her ideas, her plans. I mean, it's incredible. And, you know, they're, they're still a kids, but they develop, you know, I don't have to walk her through every step. You know, we can talk about shared goals. And so how do we get there? Well, what does that look like? And you'd be surprised if you give kids the space to be creative, they'll come up with things. And so I love talking to her. It, you know, she's inspiring. I mean, and she really, really challenges me, but I love the process. So what if any conversations um, have you guys had with your daughter about your family's dynamic? And is she, is she of age? Does she understands what's going on now? Yeah, good question. So one of the things that I committed to early was if my daughter ever came to me with a question that I would answer it to the best I could. You know, I don't believe in candy coating things, but I also believe that things should be kid, kid appropriate. But so as it relates to her mother, if she asks me, I'll say, you know, I think you have a wonderful mother and she loves you and I celebrate her and 
you know, and while mommy, I want mommy to be happy. And mommy and I decided that we couldn't be our best for you together. So we're not together, but she loves you and I love you. And I want mommy to be happy, whatever that looks like for her. And I know that mommy wants me to be happy because when I'm happy, then I can be better for you. You know, but I know that there's still a desire that we do things together and we try to. Um, Periodically, we'll have dinner, uh, the three of us, or we'll go to a movie um, or we'll hang out. But I also want to make sure that that we're sending her clear messages. So while when we're together, it's about her. Have have there been any instances um, where some questions that she has posed to you, taking you aback or calling you off guard, quite frankly? Yeah. I mean, uh, every once in a while, she'll ask me about my father. And, uh, Hmm. you know, kids do not, uh, they they don't take any heat off the question. She'll ask, you know, (laughs) why didn't your dad like you? And And I'll say, well, you know, I don't know if he was around enough to get to know me. And she's like, well, I don't understand. What did you do? You know, and so, and she, they'll keep going. Um, but yeah. it's okay because I, I would rather take the time to answer her question than to send her away to find the answer somewhere else or to fill in the blanks with something that may not be true. So, um, anytime she asks me about my own family relationships, I share them. Um, if she asks me about her mom, you know, I share them in a way that, that is supplementary and but i let mom know so that she can give so she can answer for herself you know i I don't want to make sure i want to make sure that i'm not speaking for anybody else but at the same time i also want to make sure that um i'm fulfilling my promise which is to to meet my daughter's questions head on so so as fathers you know we all have to to make sacrifice i know uh since i've become a dad man i've had to make a lot of sacrifice and change um you know, my day-to-day schedule, my day-to-day routine to accommodate for the fact that I have a son now. So I'm curious, what sacrifices have you had to make in your personal life um, in order to make it work uh, in your co-parenting situation and as a single dad? You know, I think I'd probably have to say dating has fallen by the wayside. It's Mm -hmm. not that I don't date, but, you know, it takes a lot of energy to start something new. And while I love the experience and it's exciting, I don't want to do anything that takes away from the bandwidth that I can give to my daughter. So I I tend to be more selective. I'm okay being at home um, because I can use that time plotting and scheming on our next adventure. Um, I do date and, you know, it's, it's good when it's good and it's a challenge when it's a challenge like everybody else. But that has taken a hit um, since since my daughter was born. You know, there, there are often a lot of misconceptions about, you know, single dads and even those who are co-parenting, whether that situation is good, good or bad. In your opinion, what are some misconceptions um, that you personally deal with uh, being a single dad, especially being a single black dad? Sure. So right off the top, there's the assumption that there's a contentious relationship with my daughter's mom. And the irony is, I think that with some women, they'd be more comfortable if there was a contentious relationship, because then they would have a clear understanding. Um, Sometimes there's been a challenge in wondering if me and my my daughter's mom have something going on or if we're going to get back together. And so that's been a challenge um, from time to time. Another misconception is that you know, some people think, oh, okay, you know, your your 
an active dad. So what do you have your daughter like, you know, every other weekend? And I'm like, no, you know, if there's 30 days in a month, I have her 15 or maybe 16, depending on the month. Um, I really am an engaged dad. Um, one of the other things, and it's funny how it plays out because, and I understand that it's it's only with the best intentions. When I take my daughter to the bathroom, oftentimes women will offer to take her for me. And so I don't think they understand how odd that actually is. <laughs> and so what I what I ultimately came up with is uh, a woman asked me once, she's like, oh, would you like me to take her in the restroom? And I said, sure, I'll hold your purse. And she like, you know, kind of moved <laughs> for her purse. And she was like, no, I'm okay. And I said, if you wouldn't trust me with your purse, why should I trust you with my daughter? Right. And and I didn't mean it to be mean, but it's it's such an odd concept. The the idea of why would I I let a stranger take my daughter anywhere? But like I said, I I do understand that it comes from a good place, but it's part of the misconception that I couldn't do it, or that there's that there's some hole that that needed to be filled by a stranger. That's interesting, and, and that's something I I didn't even think about um, in, in preparation uh, for this interview, man. As as a single father of a daughter, as opposed to you know a single father of a son, I'm pretty sure there would be some different. There's a different dynamic there being a single father uh, of a young girl. No, absolutely. Um, you know, if I had a son, it would be nothing to go into the locker room at baseball or basketball practice, yeah. but. You know, when my daughter was in dance, she had to have all her stuff on underneath her sweats because, mm -hmm. you know, a dad in the dressing room, and I get it, um, is is not something that, that some moms were comfortable with. Um, but at the same time, I didn't want my daughter to feel that she was missing out on whatever the camaraderie of the dance room was, you know, or, yeah. but, but there are these there are these things, or you'll go to a, a gathering where there's mostly moms. I don't want to seem like I'm the, the single dad that's trying to holler at all the moms. I just want my daughter to be engaged yeah. and part of the group. But that's a, that's a line that I have to toe sometimes. Yeah. You know, we we're talking about the perception of singles, being a single dad. I'm curious, do you and your, your daughter's mom work together to help push back on some of that negative perception? We do. We do. Um, she's incredibly supportive. Um, she was one of the people who uh, I talked about when I talked about on, who I talked to when I was conceiving on fathering. Um, and I try to be supportive of her. Um, there are things that we do separately because we do have different lives. And so when other people kind of get into the, you know, baby daddy's this and, oh, you know, mm -hmm. I know you're going through it. You know, I, I make a conscious effort, you know, she's not perfect and, and catch me on the right day. I might have some concerns and critiques, but, but I love my whole daughter and half of everything my daughter is, she gets from her mom. So what's the wildest, what's the wildest thing you've, you've heard in that regard about, you know, being a bad quote unquote baby daddy? Oh man. So, you know, every once in a while I'll, I'll talk to uh, my daughter's mom and, sh and she'll, mm -hmm. she will have spent time with a, another mom who's a friend and say, you know, y'all just, I'm like, wait, 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 wait. It's not y'all. I'm not, I'm not part of that. But you know, when they, when sometimes when it gets all turned up, everybody gets lumped in together, but you know, there, there's a lot of us who need, who need to do some work and well, I need to do some as well, but, um, I can't imagine being a, not being a part of my child's daily life. 
That's awesome. Talking to Dedon Bruner uh, from the onfathering.com, an outstanding platform that showcases the um, just the lives of fatherhood and things that, that we go through as dads. Um, as, as a father to a young daughter, and there are going to be some definitely some things that you will have to face as she gets older. But in, in the era of the Me Too uh, movement and, you know, we're fresh off um, what we saw in our Kelly documentary, um, there's how do you approach that sort of thing as a father, you know, to a young girl? Man, I'm so glad you asked that question. So when my daughter was four, I, I remember this like it was yesterday. I went to pick her up from school and I went to give her a hug and she put her finger up and stopped me and mm-hmm. said, daddy, I didn't give you permission to pop my space bubble. Hmm. You know, and I had never heard that. And I laughed yeah. it off and went in for my hug again. And she said, I'm serious, daddy. And it, it stopped me cold, you know, because on one hand, I want to say, girl, get over here and get your daddy mm-hmm. a hug. But on the other hand, you know, I have a four-year-old that is asserting her boundaries and, and is saying for whatever reason that I don't want to hug you. And I have to support that, you know? And, and now my hope is that you're doing this for everybody. Yeah. And that there isn't something that happened that that has created you to, to force this boundary. So we had that conversation. But, um, you know, what I try to do is be consistent. You know, what I told my daughter and what we talk about in front of each other. I, I say this in front of her mom and, and her mom can say it in front of me. If there is anybody who does anything to you that makes you uncomfortable, even if it's daddy, even if it's mommy, tell the other one, tell someone. There's nobody who has the right to do anything with your body, you know? And, and I, there's, that's the end of the list. Just the, it's your body and, and we'll take it from there. I don't care if they threaten. I don't care if it's a game. We don't play those types of games. And so what I want to do is just to encourage her to take ownership of her body early. You know, we we want our children to we want our, our, our children to understand these concepts, but we have to practice it. Yeah. You know, and so however I can encourage it, you know, we talked about the we, we talked about the chivalry thing. You know, it's it's tough. You know, I, I've given a lot of thought to this, you know, and I don't want my daughter thinking that because someone does X, you owe them Y, you know? And so we had a talk. And so I told her, I said, you know, when I open the door for you, I don't do it because you can't. Right. I do it because I want to show you my best. And if you want to open the door for me, you know, and I and I I have to re I have to tell myself this as I as I tell it to her. Then then that's fine too, you know. But I don't ever want you to think that there's something that you can't do, or there's something that you have to look to someone else to do. But there may be times when someone wants to show you their very best behavior. Yeah, and whether you let them do that or not is up to you. And so, I mean, and like I said, when you have these real conversations with kids, they'll, they'll respond in whatever way is appropriate at the time. And that's something that at seven, she understands. Great, great. You know, when I was looking at your, your site on fathering.com, everyone, be sure to check that out. And you have a section called Tips and Tools. And one of the things that, you know, I highlighted was your, your bullet that says, invest in patience. It is not a sign of weakness. Kids are likely to model the behavior um, that they see. So my question is, uh, what do you hope 
um, your daughter will learn from your, you and her mom making a conscious effort, conscious effort uh, to make things work. You know, I, I hope she puts effort into choosing quality partners. You know, I, I want her to understand the value in, in cultivating relationships with people who make you better. You know, you don't have to spend time with people who make you feel bad about yourself. And while people may not end up in the role that you thought that they would in your life, you know, be open and be flexible. You know, I, I would be remiss if I didn't say that my daughter's mother is one of my best friends. Now, she's also mm-hmm. one of my friends who I argue most with. <laughs> and, yeah. But that's because we have the most at stake. You know, we have absolutely the most important thing in common. How To not be friends would be to our, to our mutual detriment. You know, as you know, being able to, you know, have a, a positive co-parenting experiences, that, that's not the case for everyone. How, what advice would you give to um, fathers who are struggling in, in this type of situation, who don't have the, the good working relationship um, with their child's mother that you have with your, your daughter's mom? So one of the things that I would encourage is to create a record through consistency, you know, be the person who you say you're going to be and be consistent about it, you know, and worst case scenario, if you ever have to go to court or if you ever have to take someone to court, you can show a record of consistency because what the court is looking for is what's in the best interest of the child. And most often the court is looking for a consistent effort, you know, and one of the other things that I would, that I would suggest is to be flexible. You know, so often we fall into this game of gotcha parenting. It's too hard and it's too long to be perfect. You know, you need a partner who will give you space to mess up. You know, you need to be able to admit when you messed up. Um, And you need to do the same for them. Um, And when you can, uh, and there's no guarantee, you know, I don't want to pretend like my situation works for everybody, but there will be a time when our kids can actually remember and see how we've acted. And I don't ever want to be ashamed of my actions in the face of my daughter. Awesome, man. That, that is a great point that we can end this conversation on. I really appreciate it. So before I let you go, Denon, tell, tell people how they can get in touch with you. Tell people how they can find uh, your website and anything else you want to let the people know. Okay. Well, first, I really want to thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. I've enjoyed your podcast and I'm honored to be to be uh, able to speak. Um, on Fathering, it's on Facebook, it's on Twitter, uh, it's on Instagram, and the website's onfathering.com. One of the things that we focus on is giving fathers an opportunity to share their stories and their words. So if you know a father that we should feature, if you are a father that we should feature, hit us up. I'd love to share your story. Don, thanks a lot for joining me on the Fatherhood Podcast. Thank you, and congratulations. I want to thank Don for joining me today to give his perspective on fathering. You know, in watching people I know who are fathers and through connecting with other fathers through this podcast, one thing that I've learned is that there is no right or wrong way to do it. Ultimately, you have to do what is in the best interest of you and your family situation, and that's okay. The main thing to remember is that your child should be the priority because they definitely will be watching us. So whether you're a married father like me or a father who lives with your significant other or a single father who co-parents, the key is to do what you need to do to make it work. Because it's not about us anymore. It is about our sons uh, and our daughters. 
So as always, thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm Jamar Hudson, and this is The Fatherhood.